Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the AVSJ podcast. I'm here with my buddy Aaron. How are we doing today, Aaron? Hello, I'm good, thanks. Um, I've been making a bed this morning, which oh. is exciting. Uh, came to bed, came together. I don't mean making a bed like putting the sheets putting the on. Duvets on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that took all morning, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been assembling a bed, I suppose, um, which went well. What about you? What yeah. have you been up to? Um, I have had my girlfriend move into my house. You really had to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the beginning of this week. And this week mm-hmm. has just been a bit weird because, like, Monday was bank holiday. Mm. So that felt like a Sunday. But then Tuesday, everyone in my house, like, took a day off work. So that felt like a Sunday. So then Wednesday was Monday. And now today is Wednesday? For me, today but, is Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Not to give away so, our recording schedule, but today might be Friday. For me. So, yeah, today is... Well, this week's just been a bit all over the shop. But it's been nice weather. Mm-hmm. Um, can't really complain, to be honest. Good. Had a barbecue last night. Oh, yeah. Drank How pins. Was it? You know. Keeping those sponsorships going. Yeah. Shout out Pims. Drunk bear Do you wanna do you let the people know what we're what we're talking about today, Aaron? Yeah, go on then. So today we're talking about the subject of ghostwriting. Ooh. What is it? So ghostwriting is kind of the idea of like somebody behind the scenes writing a song and you might not know it's them. So like the name that is put on the front of the song and the artist that's performing it is not actually the one who's created it. Um, Talking about what that means in hip hop, how it kind of changes your um, reaction to the song. Does it change your reaction to the song? All sorts of things will be going from there as our base. And also I think one of the interesting things is why is hip-hop different to everything else mm-hmm. um which we'll be talking about in the episode i mean we can start with that now <laughs> if you'd like <laughs> we'll be starting with it right now <laughs> <laughs> take it away so i think it's interesting um to consider it in comparison to the last episode where it was just us where it was like art and the artist um yeah in the the art and artist are quite pulled together in hip-hop they're kind of seen Mm -hmm. as one and the same and so in hip-hop you're seen as like legitimate if you're making your own music and it's telling your own story like we were talking about with drake where it's like all about his life yeah interesting example of drake because he was then accused of ghostwriting of having ghostwriters not of doing the ghostwriting (laughs) in his beef with meek mill and also with Pusha T. Pusha T and Kendrick did it as well. Oh, yeah. well, Kendrick allegedly... Allegedly it. did it. But in that... Have you seen that video of him performing um, that song on one of the late night shows? And he kind of sings that line in like a Drakey style to kind of imply. What, when he says on King Kunta, like... But a rapper with a ghost rider. What the fuck happened? Yeah. What you mean? Yeah. There's like a... He record, uh, he performs that song on one of those late night shows, and he sings that line in like a Drake, Drakey kind of style. 
Mm. You know a Drakey style. Drakey style. <laughs> but yeah, so that was something pushed against Drake and it was supposed to like discredit him as an artist. But it's interesting mm. to consider that when historically, I mean, there's been ghostwriters forever. Yeah. But also, in comparison to other genres, like pop music or whatever, is less of a focus on who's writing the songs often. Nobody cares. I know that if you've ever watched Hip Hop Evolution, they do a thing about Sugar Hill Gang mm-hmm. and they're making rappers delight. And a lot of the other New York rappers at the time hated them anyway, because in New York it was like live performance with the DJ playing samples and then they went to record a song using instruments. So people mm. didn't like them in it anyway. But apparently one of the people in that documentary said that he would spit these bars in all their shows in New mm. York. And then one of the guys from Sugar Hill Gang basically just heard the lyrics and then used them for Rapper's Delight. You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix, and these reasons I'll tell you why. You see, I'm six foot one, and I'm tons of fun, and I dress to a D. You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali, and I dress so viciously. Is it Grandmaster Kaz or something? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. I remember hearing this, but I haven't actually watched it. Um, And it's like, now that it's recorded, it's no longer his, and it belongs to Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Which I guess, I mean, that's like the start of recorded hip-hop yeah so you could say even from the get-go ghostwriting was prevalent yeah and then even with like the start of well easy is not the start of gangster rap but with the start <laughs> of um more mainstream gangster yeah, rap, I suppose. popularity of gangster rap yeah easy um is it boys in the hood i can't remember i think it's boys in the hood is all written by ice cube yeah and it's just it, easy is the face and the name of it and so it becomes his song. It kind of, this all fits quite nicely into um, a film theory that I learned about at university. Take it away. <laughs> called um, auteur theory, which is like a, a French film theory. I think it's French for author. I'm not sure, but <laughs> it's about the idea of like directors being seen as like auteurs, and they have like their own very definite style and it's all debated on who actually created the piece of art so if you look at a film there's so many different people putting their energy into it is it the actors is it the production company is it the director is it the writer who's actually takes claim to that piece of art so you could use the example of like um everybody says nightmare before christmas is that the one i'm thinking of is like a tim burton film but he just mm-hmm. produced it. He didn't write it. He didn't direct yeah. it. He didn't do any of that stuff. You could also say, um, I was telling you this yesterday or the day before, that um, mm. I always, for my entire life, thought that Layer Cake was a Guy Ritchie film. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking about Layer Cake with um, my brother and my lodger. And they were saying, no, my lodger, sorry, was saying, no, that's a Matthew Vaughan film. And I was like, no, it isn't. <laughs> it's Guy Ritchie. <laughs> and then it turns out that Guy Ritchie was meant to do it, meant to direct it, mm. but pulled out. And then Matthew Vaughan came in and did it and then basically tried to do it like Guy Ritchie, which is why it seems like such a Guy Ritchie film. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing with this is, I would say in music, the artist's name is going to be even more prevalent 
yeah. as a as the visionary of the song than it is in film the director because like mm-hmm. actors still get a lot of credit in films whereas yeah. very rarely you're like oh he's such a good writer like it, it doesn't it yeah. is rarely discussed so if you look at things like like the examples we've given like boys in the hood it is easy his song in the mm. fact that he's performed it but he hasn't produced it he hasn't written any of the songs and even though the song the song is supposed to be about his life in the hood and like how he has his day-to-day life it's not written by him and does that change how we should interpret it yeah and i mean i would be very surprised if i ever found out that a song was made completely by one artist with no like help at all from anyone else Mm -hmm. and in doing some research for this then I came across Lupe Fiasco had posted something in response to when the Meek Mill and Drake beef was going on. Mm-hmm. And he basically said ghostwriting or borrowing lines has been in rap full time for like forever. Yeah. And rapping is not like easy and it takes lots of years of trial and error. And then kind of taking influence from other people is mm. all part of it. And then um I mean, he goes on for a long time. I mean, it's it's difficult, though, to compare... Sorry to interrupt. But yeah. I don't think, like, taking a line and taking inspiration is yeah. the same as having a ghostwriter. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, he does babble on a lot, and it is kind of like... What exactly are you getting at here? But he basically <laughs> says that, like, at the end of the day, rap is alive, even if some of its greatest moments are written by other people. So it's mm-hmm. like so many songs that you know, like for example, Jesus Walks by Kanye is like co-written by Rhymefest. Mm. You say, well, if Rhymefest never did that, then Jesus Walks might not have blown up in the way it did. And then Kanye might not have got the break that he wanted. And then... But then arguably, if Rhymefest performed Jesus Walks, it wouldn't have blown up in the same way that it did. So like, exactly. it's kind of like the art is the combination of all the people together. Exactly. I mean, ghostwriting, basically, like, people discredit it and say that you lose street credit if you use ghostwriters. But, I mean, to get help from other people is, you could argue, is ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'd be very surprised if any artist didn't get any help from anyone ever. Yeah. Well, it's very difficult to um, define the difference between co- a co-written song and a ghostwritten song unless you were part of the process, unless you could say very mm. clearly, this person did about 90% of the work and this person did 10. Yeah. So if you're not in the room, you just see the list of writing credits and you're like, ah, they're yeah, a nice exactly. big team. Like, for example, when um, Swimming came out by Matt Miller, mm-hmm. and obviously that album's got no features, but you can tell that like he's not the only person singing and they're not the only person doing anything. So I looked up the credits and like, just even just on what's the use? It's got mm-hmm. vocals from Snoop Dogg and Sid from the internet, mm-hmm. and like, obviously they're not actual features, and they might just like um, help out with one or two lines here and there. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that like Matt Miller no longer wrote the song? I don't know. Well, would you say for you, considering this a tour theory mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was talking about, would you say? the knowledge that a song is not written solely by the person performing it, would you say that makes the song any less of a credit to the artist? And would you say it makes you think of the artist any differently? 
Mm, I think it's difficult because ultimately, especially if it's like a autobiographical or storytelling song, then it's more the concept or the message that you're trying to get out. So for example, mm-hmm. Lemonade by Beyonce was an album about Jay-Z cheating on her, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of help with other people writing on it, but it was autobiographical. But obviously these people who are helping her write did not experience Jay-Z cheating on them. Well, they might have, who mm-hmm. knows? But, um, <laughs> but she's still but, got a writing credit on every song. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, the point that she's trying to get across is this emotion. And she does get that across, even if she got help with other people. So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah... Having someone write all your things, like for example, Easy, I have less sympathy for because he literally did nothing. He just had a bunch of people writing for him. But, but would you say that there's as much, maybe not as much, but there's a comparable talent between picking beats and picking bars if you're not making them yourself? Yeah. I mean, if you're not doing either, then you're basically just the face. Yeah. Well, like, DJ Khaled doesn't produce any of his own... He doesn't yeah. produce any of the songs that he makes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he produces them in the sense of he brings a team of people together. Yeah. And he says, you should make a song, and we'll call yeah. it my song. But, <laughs> but he doesn't produce them in that he doesn't make any of the beats. But I think he, he does give, like, direction and instruction to his music. So he's like the music equivalent of a director yeah he's like kind of pulling the strings and putting people in their place and like saying you do this and you do that he's basically like a football manager but for music but if like at every five minutes he just pulls the game and went Jose Mourinho (laughs) 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 like at regular intervals so the team know it's my team. <laughs> to be fair, if Jose Mourinho could do that, he definitely would. We're the best football. <laughs> to be fair, he says we in his ad lib. So he recognises yeah. the fact that it's a collective thing. True, true, yeah. true. It's interesting you mentioned Lemonade in terms of like an example of like a really emotional album because like we were saying like it doesn't necessarily change how you receive the music if you know that she's still having a big hand in um the collaboration process and in the writing process but Mm. we've so there's also other examples of like really emotional songs or songs that are supposed to say something about the character of the artist Mm -hmm. um where they just don't even have a writing credit at all so if you look at um I'll Be Missing You by P. Diddy or Puff Daddy or however you wish to name him. Um, The, like, memorial song of Biggie, he doesn't have a credit on the song. Yeah. Well, a writing credit on the song. Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow. So far from hanging on the block for dope. Notorious, they got to know that. Life ain't always what it seemed to be. Words can't express what you mean to me. Even though you're gone, we still a team. Through your family, I'll fulfill your dreams. Does that change how you would consider 
not not how you'd consider his emotions in the situation, but does it change how you're digesting the song if you know they're not actually his words? Puff Daddy is an interesting example because like his whole persona when he's doing Bad Boy Records was like basically just look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, um, they, they used to say like, have you ever seen that? Um, sorry, that documentary where it's just like a huge concert with all of the biggest rappers at the time, and it has like, it. I can't remember what it's called, but they get like one show, and like Biggie's there, and Wu Tang are there, Two Pac's there, I think, uh, Dog Pounder there, and it's just like showing them all perform. <laughs> <laughs> it's showing them all perform, and ev- everyone backstage is like, oh yeah, P Diddy is just a dancer. Like, all he yeah, does yeah. is get on stage and just kind of, like, tries to move around because Biggie can't move that much. And yeah. so he just, like, livens up the crowd. Well, as Suge Knight says, if you don't want your executive producers all up in the videos. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had a flawless Suge Knight <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. P. Diddy is an interesting example because... Um, although like often it did seem like everything he was doing was a marketing ploy, I'll be missing you kind of, you could argue that it resonates with fans who have also lost loved ones. And you could say the same about Lemonade where like it resonates with people who feel like they're being cheated on or like having marital issues, whatever. And I feel like if the aim of the song or the aim of the album is to resonate with the listener, then they are doing their job at it, to be fair. Even though mm. if it's not technically being written by them, they're still trying to do what the the job of the music. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Violent Crimes on um, Yay, the mm, Kanye West album before Jesus is King? Yeah, vaguely. It's like all about him coming to terms with having a daughter and how he was like uncomfortable with it because he like still sees women as like these sexualized objects and he doesn't want his daughter to be sexualized and then preyed on and it's like it's quite endearing it's i mean it's slightly problematic in that way but it's like him recognizing fault within himself and trying to come to terms with being a dad and i was like oh man this is this is nice this is good stuff kanye (laughs) and it's also quite funny like it's well written and it was like one of the highlights on the album for me and I was enjoying my life with that album. And then, like, months down the line, he puts out a tweet saying, Partisan Ron Fontaine, who I don't know who he is, I'm sorry, Partisan, <laughs> wrote the Violent Crimes verses, I changed two lines, he wrote the entire song. And it's like, why have you said that? <laughs> have you said that in order to put credit on Partisan Fontaine? Have you said it in order to change how people understand the song because it changes it's a a song that very much puts forward an image of him Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like what we were talking about before with the artist where it's like they have a character created by each song that they make and this song just added to his character it was a time where he was getting a lot of hate and this song's kind of trying to humanize him and then to perform it is one thing and then to say, ha, the joke's on you. That's yeah. not me. That's partisan. <laughs> like, it kind of, it changed um, for me how I interacted with the song. And I don't know if I feel that way about all ghostwriting. I don't yeah. think I do. Well, you can argue how much of a difference is there between ghostwriting and sampling. Well, quite a big one, I would say. 
because sampling is say, say you're、uh, building a house,、okay. and、um, <laughs> <laughs> you come across a wall abandoned on the floor that would perfectly fit into your house already. Right. Sampling would be picking up that wall, putting it in your house. And then keeping that and building around it,、uh-huh. ghostwriting would be buying a house. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I was coming,、yeah. I was coming up with that on the spot.、Um, so <laughs> I know a wall is a bad example of something to find on the floor. But, <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean.、Yeah. Sampling is kind of using materials that have already been created to make one thing, and then、yeah. manipulating it to make another thing. It's kind of similar to like a collage,、mm-hmm. rather than painting a painting. It's like recycling versus producing new things for、yeah. wasteful resources. Yeah. So sampling is environmentally friendly. <laughs> <laughs> the, what did did you see the two things as comparable before that flawless example? <laughs> Or should I say wallless? Not necessarily, but I feel like in sampling, the critique of it is that it's not original because you're、mm-hmm. taking other music and just using it as your own. And the critique of ghostwriting is that it's not original because you're just ha- having someone else do the work for you. And people、mm-hmm. who would say that sampling is not. Like a valid form of music making, would say that all you're doing is just taking music that other people have done and make and using as your own, which is kind、mm-hmm. of the same as ghostwriting. But I don't know if I agree with that. It's interesting because I guess you can compare the manipulation of a sample to the choice of a flow and how you're actually going to say each word.、Mm. Um, I guess they're kind of comparable things,、um, but in my head they're still quite different. Entities,、mm-hmm. I would say, it's interesting though to talk about sampling because talking about Kanye, you also have an example of like lots of people say ghost production,、mm-hmm. where he gets like fifty different producers in a room to all have some sort of input on his songs, and they're like、yeah. carefully dissecting every single thing. And then it's like a Kanye-produced track, similar to, not similar to DJ Khaled, because I think he still has more of a stamp on it. Yeah, but yeah, like I think、um, harder, better, faster, stronger. The one with the Daft Punk sample in it. When he released that on graduation, which the whole basis of graduation was, I want blockbuster hits to sell out stadiums,、mm-hmm. and. For harder, better, faster. Oh no, he just called it stronger. He just called it stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For stronger, he had like I think a bunch, like maybe fifty different mixing engineers and about nine different mastering engineers or something ridiculous like that.、Mm. And like he wanted to get the sound to be like that stadium sound and was so meticulous about it. And obviously, 
he's not the only one who's doing all the mixing and mastering. He's obviously employed all these people to do it. But does that mm. mean that they're ghostwriting the mix? Is that yeah, a thing? but then if you go to Stronger, the only listed producers are Kanye and Mike Dean. Yeah. Which is weird, because then what do, does everybody doing every other part of it get ignored? But then I guess are you supposed to credit every single in- instrument? Mm. You are, but maybe not if they are, if you're just telling them what to do. And did Daft Punk get a writing credit for it as well? Yes. Yeah, they do. I just got confused because it had their real names. <laughs> Guy Manuel de Homo Cristo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I think it's difficult to actually draw the line of where ghostwriting starts. Like, obviously, if you just have someone writing all your lyrics for you, then you say that's obviously ghostwriting. But then if you have someone doing the mixing for you or the mastering for you, when you are supposed to be the producer, is that also ghostwriting? It's kind of vague. Or is it just like outsourcing some work? It's so difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can say that um, having a ghostwriter is outsourcing work. It's the same. Yeah. I mean, are we saying there is no artist that's just an independent? I would be shocked if there was any like mainstream artists or even any artists that we listen to that did every single job by themselves musically. Maybe someone like FKJ? Yeah, but even then, like, I would be surprised if he did all the mixing and mastering himself. And even when mm. he'll have, like, features on his, on his songs, then, like, I don't know, it's difficult to be certain mm. that he's the only one doing anything. But that is probably, yeah, a good shout out to someone who might be. It's interesting to think of the, like, whole teamwork element of um, Kanye's production process. And also I think some of it is on his writing. And you can compare that to like the writing process for Dre. Things just ain't the same for gangsters. Times is changing. Young niggas is aging. Becoming OGs in the game and changing. To make way for these new names and faces. But the strangest things can happen from rapping when niggas get wrapped up in image and acting. Niggas get capped up and wrapped in plastic, zipped up in bags when it happens, that's it. Like, I feel like you maybe know a bit more about that than well, me. But... I mean, Dr. Dre is also an interesting one on production because for production, he obviously, like, you obviously hear samples and you think, like, oh, that's in a Dr. Dre song. But he kind of got around it because he would have session musicians play the, like, play it on instruments. Partly so he could like mix it and master it easy, easily, and also partly to get around copyright. That's so mad. I know. So, it's so, in... so, so sorry to interrupt, but if you made a song and yeah. I got someone to perform the same song exactly and recorded it, it's, well, it's not... not exactly. Is the point like pretty near? But I like think maybe one it. or two things. I off. think he does it enough that it's different. Um, Sneaky drink. So he, I know, it's a bit sneaky, but he, so you could argue that, like, he's kind of ghostwritten the production, even though he's, like, obviously this master producer. Mm. But then when it comes to lyrics, from what I understand, he would basically have, like, a team of writers, such as Snoop Dogg, Eminem, DOC, like, all these kind of people, Royce to Five Nine, Corrupt, mm. and... 
He basically get them to like write lyrics for songs and he would almost mark them as the teacher and be like, correct this, correct this, correct this, come back with this and then send them back to them and then they do it again. Because Dr. Dre, like he always says like, I'm not a rapper, I don't enjoy rapping that much. But I'm um, not a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> and like he doesn't perf- he doesn't enjoy performing that much either mm. he prefers just being in the studio but he obviously like he's making it his own in the sense that he's telling people to come back with this kind of direction but he's not actually putting pen to paper and producing the lyrics if you know what I mean mm-hmm. which is interesting when you consider Dre well I don't want to put words in your mouth you're mm-hmm. used to say Dre is like one of your top five favorite rappers. Yeah. I mean, on Bangers alone, you can't deny that, like. He's got a few. He's got, he's got a couple, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I think when I got a bit older, then I realized, like, although he does have bangers, I don't know, I'd feel like there are other rappers who have a bit more meaning and like better storytelling than just I have sex with lots of women and spend lots of money and smoke lots of weed. (laughs) I mean, there is that, but that doesn't mean that he can't be your favourite if that's what you're into. I know, but I'm saying like, I don't know. Maybe you grew grew past him. Grew past it a bit. But he is interesting because obviously you and me would both say he has lots of bangers. And even songs like Forgot About Dre or The Watcher or Still Dre and like they're all they've all got meaning behind them and they're all like him expressing something mm-hmm. but i don't know but are they him expressing yeah, something? are they him but i guess is it any different from someone not that i'm saying dre struggles to express himself <laughs> is it any different from mm, it is different but you know how people like find a quote from someone else that gives their life meaning or like a Mm -hmm. poem and they're like this expresses what I think Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe Dre is taking these other people's work and saying this is what I want to say but I don't know how to manipulate it into how I would say it Yeah. and so I'll just say it how you said it yeah but I mean he's losing marks for plagiarism if he's at university (laughs) but (laughs) I would I would kind of back that for songs like The Watcher and Forgot About Dre, like I said before. Mm. But for songs like um, Housewife or Ackwright, mm. I feel like if that is what Dre is trying to tell me, but he doesn't know how to put it into <laughs> his own words, <laughs> then I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me in the same way. It's not like a story that he's trying to tell me in the same way that Forgot About Dre is like, a story of his life and how people counted him out. I mean, Akrai is just a story of misogyny. So if all these rappers are using everybody else's words all the time, mm-hmm. why is there such an elitist view within rap that that's not real rap? And yeah. that Drake should be so heavily criticised for using a ghostwriter if he's allegedly using a ghostwriter. In pop, then, like, I think it's the norm to expect songs to have, like, masses and masses and masses of writers and producers because it's probably seen as more of a factory way of making music. Like, um, in the 40s, there was, like, to kind of go off that, in the 40s, there was, like, 
this office building. Basically, it would just be rooms and rooms and rooms of writers just writing songs as if it was in a factory and then they would just like put out all these songs for um, performers to play and to record. Mm-hmm. But it was literally like a fucking... It was like a su- uh, supply chain. Sweatshop. Yeah, or oh. sweatshop. <laughs> um, so you could argue that that kind of thing has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. Well, at least in modern modern music making. But with rap, you could say that it kind of stems from poetry. And then poetry, like, I think the whole point is to express oneself. Mm-hmm. So when you're not expressing oneself, then you kind of lose some credibility. I don't know. I don't even know if that's right, but it's kind of maybe a viewpoint to look at it from. It's an interesting viewpoint to look at it from. It's kind of, it like, I, I mean, I kind of said this at the start, but I didn't really flesh it out in the comparison between this and the like art and artist thing that we spoke about a couple of weeks, however long ago it was. I've mm-hmm. lost track of time now. <laughs> in that th- there was a focus on truthfulness and like telling the stories, um, the vo- being the voice of the voiceless. So um, with African-Americans being silenced in society, your music was an opportunity to actually create your voice and tell a story. Mm-hmm. And so it was supposed to, so what we were talking about before with like the message, it was supposed to be like raising awareness about the conditions in outside neighborhoods and like trying to raise awareness about racial difference. Mm-hmm. So to have a genre so focused on the truthfulness of the story that you're putting out or the creation of a image that you're putting out, um, maybe it then will hold more importance on the legitimacy of the person creating that message. So that's why it becomes more important for the person speaking to have been writing what they're saying. Well, you said, you said like, because the message is so important, then like, it should be how it makes this particular person feel. Because initially, the message was representing a section of society that wasn't being represented anywhere else, and this was the only way to put put forward that story. There was a greater importance on the truth of the story and who was creating it. I mean, you could argue for the message that, like, if those are lyrics, we talking about the message, of the song, or, or a message? The, no, I mean, I'm talking about the message by Grandmaster Flash. Oh, okay. <laughs> you could argue that the message by Grandmaster Flash. It could be written by anyone with those same mm-hmm. lyrics and it would resonate with those people in the same way. And although Grandmaster Flash, like, it was good that it came from him because he was already a well-known figure in the like up-and-coming hip-hop movement of the time. So he was mm-hmm. quite a good spokesperson to be saying it. But you could say that what resonated with people and what made it so popular was people in New York at the time being like, yeah, I identify with what mm-hmm. he's saying because I live that so if they didn't get to identify with it because he didn't say it then you'd say that they lacked like a, I don't know it would be like they would be lacking something to resonate with mm-hmm. so does it matter who came up with it you could argue that if he didn't perform it then like no one would have heard yes. it yes 
he was an important mouthpiece. Yeah, if exactly. It, if it hadn't been his words, it still would have had the same importance. Yeah. But it wouldn't have had the same importance if it had come from, um, like a Wall Street businessman who had written it and then given it to Grandmaster yeah. Flash. Yeah. So you still have to have the um, some sort of identity within the story and some mm. sort of root within what you're saying, which you wouldn't have if you were partisan Fontaine pretending to be Kanye West. <laughs> Not that I'm saying he is pretending. Like, he might have his own daughter and his own story. I don't know. <laughs> do, yeah. do you see what I'm saying in that yeah, kind yeah. of comparison? Yeah. I don't think we're going to solve it in this uh, podcast, but I think, like, there are so many different... It's not like black and white as like you should ghost write or you shouldn't ghost write. It's like there are definitely mm-hmm. positives from it. There are definitely negatives from it. It's about deciphering when to take the positives and when to shun the negatives. In a very quick summary question, yeah. one word answer. Does it change your opinion of a song if you find out that it's not written by the person who is performing it? Uh, Maybe. Is the one word answer. <laughs> That's the worst word you could have picked. <laughs> <laughs> because, for example, like, when doing research for this, then I found out that Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It was actually mm-hmm. written by Nas. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance, pro, pro, I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get jiggy with it. That's it, now honey, honey, come ride. DKMY, all up in my eyes. You gotta try to bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. Now, I don't care that Nas wrote getting jiggy with it. <laughs> but. Some it's of his in- greatest work. It's, it's kind of interesting <laughs> to me that someone who would write some such an introspective album like Illmatic would also write getting jiggy with it in the same way that reasonable doubt era jay-z wrote bugging for bugs bunny in the film <laughs> but Space you've got Jam. to think that it was an active decision for nas to write getting jiggy with it but not perform it himself yeah will smith might have thought this song is going to get radio play i'm going to make some money from it nas mm-hmm. might have thought i'm going to get paid for writing these lyrics and i don't have to perform it myself so, yeah, I'm not going to lose any street cred for performing getting jiggy with it. Exactly. So mm-hmm. in that kind of situation, then it's a win-win for everyone. Mm-hmm. But that's a song that um, has no deeper societal meaning. Well, that's <laughs> <just> your opinion. <laughs> um, if it was a song where you had, um, where you'd interpreted some sort of meaning, would you say? It had an impact or not really? Uh, I mean, it's difficult to say because as a straight white male, when I mm-hmm. hear the message by Grandmaster Flash, then I don't think, yeah, I also was struggling in 1970s outskirts well, of New York. But, <laughs> yeah. So I don't resonate with it in the same way, but I do appreciate the message that it's saying and I appreciate that like other people did me- like resonate with it. But mm-hmm. to then take away the connection that people make just because it wasn't made by the person you thought it was made, like, does it take away from the meaning? I'm not entirely sure. Interesting. What an interesting thought for everybody today. <laughs> <laughs> As you all know, we always 
finish the episode with some recommendations. Um, Aaron, what have you got for us this week? Um, well, there's not that much new music coming out at the minute. Well, there is, I'm sure. I've just probably not been getting around to listening to it, um, as we actually discussed last time. Yeah. But <laughs> um, So I thought I'd go for like more old school, although it came out in uh, 2010, so it's not that old school. But <laughs> How I Got Over by The Roots... Really, really good album. One of uh, probably my favourite Roots album. Really, they've got they've got a lot of music. I know lots of people would say um, Illa Dove Half Life or whatever, but I really like how I got over. How I got over is definitely how I first got into the Roots, and it's because there are two songs: the title track "How I Got Over" and "The Fire" were both yeah. on EA Sports Fight Night Champion. That game was hard. <laughs> hard isn't good, not difficult. Yeah. I, 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 although I do remember there was like a... It was also very yeah. difficult. <laughs> there was an online mode and I did a create your own character. <laughs> <laughs> and we played online against yeah, each other. That. I didn't tell you that I'd created this guy and he was like, you... It's fair, honestly, that like the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> he was like seven foot four and, uh, and you were just like David Hay or something. And you still... <laughs> I think you still won because you were better, at me, better than me at that game. But yeah, probably. Good memories. I forgot about that. That game... Oh, what was the other song on that game that played in the intro? I'll do it later. <laughs> I'll basically say, yeah. I know I know it might not um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of good Roots albums um, like Tipping Point and Things Fall Apart and everything like that but I think my favourite and probably the most maybe the most accessible is how I got over it's got like mm. Radio Days is on there um, The Day is on there Walk Alone um, mm. The Fire oh it's a good album yeah, that is Go good listen album. to it. Enjoy yourself. What have you got for us, Jules? For my album, I'm actually going to plug an album that I have not listened to yet. But That's a strange decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist oh. put out an album together. Um, interesting. Entirely produced by Alchemist with Freddie Gibbs. I think it's got some quite interesting... Well, deba- debatably entirely produced, Jules. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Who mastered it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's got some interesting features of which I can't remember right now. But, Mm. um, yeah, I feel like they're both pretty well-respected in their fields and I'd be interested to hear what they come up with together. And it came out today, so I shall be listening to it. Also, Amini, I think, released a song today called Riri which is about Rihanna and he teased it with a video on his Instagram of him chasing his dog around his pool which was cute <laughs> nice well I um, hope it's good yeah I hope I enjoy them because it will suck if I plug them and they are not good yeah I kind of felt that with when I spoke about that Mick Jenkins album and then I was like oh man this is not that good <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, when it, the one that came out like the start of the year. Yeah. I had such high hopes. What was it called? The Circles uh, or something? Yeah, something like or Circus or something. Oh yeah. And then so. I listened to it and I was just like quite bored. Really? Which yeah. is a shame. Oh well. So uh, I redact that previous recommendation. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah. Love speaking to you, Jules. Yep. You as too. always. I hope you go enjoy the beautiful weather outside. I will. <laughs> Drink some pims while you're out there. Yeah. Don't forget to keep your drinks cold and that chilies. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, All right. until next time. Peace out. Bye. It's just the two of us. Just <laughs> the two of us. You and I. Are you gonna do that as our outro? <laughs> <laughs>